calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And this is a mini episode, and we are doing it long distance edition because between mine and Madigan's work schedules... It's just not working. Yeah, we had a tough time meeting up this week. So I am in my apartment, and Madigan is in her apartment. Yes. And we are doing this episode via Google Chat. And it's a little weird. Yeah, so if it sounds a little different than usual, that would be why. (laughs) Yeah, so... Keegan, what kind of stories do you have this week? Um, not great ones, Madigan. Yeah, not not, not great ones for me ones. either. Yeah, but Whoops. you know what? I have my can of rosé here. I've got my glass so, of wine. Yeah, so we can make it through, mm-hmm. you know? Alcohol. Helping us get through this show. So the thing that I really want to talk about, and I feel like you probably have notes on this too, is the fact that there were explosives sent to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and CNN and Maxine Waters. I actually did not make notes about that. Um, so it's good that you did. It okay. was definitely something that was on my list. Yeah. I just didn't make notes about it. It sounds fucking bonkers. So... The Secret Service intercepted a package addressed to Clinton's home and a package addressed to former President Barack Obama's home or office, I think, uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. this morning, because today is Wednesday. uh, A suspicious package containing a live explosive device and white powder was sent to the New York CNN offices, and it was addressed to former CIA director John Brennan. Wow. The offices, yeah. The offices of U.S. Rep. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former chair of the Democratic National Committee, were evacuated. Everyone in the office was evacuated after the building received a suspicious package. And it was addressed to former attorney Eric Holder. And then later on Wednesday, like this just keeps going, this list. Later Wednesday, Mm -hmm. a package addressed to Maxine Waters was intercepted at a congressional mail facility in Maryland. And these series happened after a billionaire philanthropist and liberal mega donor George Soros received an explosive device in his New York home earlier this week. 
Um, and they're saying Brian Parman, who is the special agent in charge of counterterrorism division in New York field office, says that it appears that an individual or individuals sent out multiple similar packages. Why, yes, it does, sir. Yes, it does. It does all seem to have a bit of something in common. They all appear to be pipe bombs. And Wednesday afternoon, Trump called on the country to unify, which I'm just like, I roll. Right. But didn't he also, I saw something about how he was doing another fucking rally. Yeah. As per usual. And he mentioned something about Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton, and they were doing the lock her up chants again today. Oh, shit. Even though she had just had her life threatened, essentially. I took my notes today at like noon. So if that was something that's happened since then, I don't know. But um, the White House also said it condemned the attempt that they condemned bleh, that they condemned the attempted violence attacks against Obama and Clinton and calling the attackers cowards. But um, okay. but yeah, okay. But also, this administration has totally like fostered violence. Oh, it's absolutely fostered violence, and that's, then to act appalled when it happens is fucking like ridiculous. Well, right. That's why I'm like I I rolled so hard because. Mm-hmm. Like, he's telling us to unify when he's been the one who's been trying to keep us separate in, like, a whole us versus them situation for so long. Absolutely. That it just, like, seems crazy to me. Right. I mean, and this, I made a note to talk about this, even though we can't really go deep into it because there's so many layers, and I feel like we would really need to focus a significant amount of time on it if we were going to really do a deep dive on this topic, but... um. Do you know everything that's going on with Jamal Khashoggi, that journalist? No, tell me about it. Okay, so he is a Saudi Arabian uh, journalist, Mm, but he mm -hmm. is a resident of the United States. He was living here in the United States, and he was condemning uh, Saudi Arabia, and he also said some things about Trump, which which they did not like, and which Trump did not like. Of course not. And he... He had a trip to Saudi Arabia to work, essentially, and he went into this office and never came back out. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was basically murdered by the Saudi Arabian government. Oh, my gosh. And Trump has basically said as much. Like, he's been like, yeah, it doesn't look good for them, but also we're not going to stop doing business with them because money and oil. Of course. Um, (laughs) And so... I, I don't want to, I just wanted to like touch on that very briefly. No, I think that's really important. You know, but the reason why I wanted to touch on it right now is because there are such parallels between their reaction to that, like Lindsey Graham's reaction to that whenever he introduced, um, gosh, I can't remember his name, but the leader of Saudi Arabia, yeah. uh, Lindsey Graham like introduced him here in the United States. The, this and Jamal? No, Jamal Khashoggi is the um, journalist. Yeah, who introduced? Um, So Lindsey Graham introduced the person who ordered Jamal Khashoggi's death here in the United States because he's the leader of Saudi Arabia. And Lindsey Graham is acting fucking appalled and surprised and horrified by this violence. And I'm like, this is nothing that is or should be surprising to you. Yeah, And that's kind of the way that I feel about the way that they're responding to these bombings right is that like you have advocated active violence yeah. against clinton and obama and all of these people on the left george soros of course yeah and and continue now to do you're so. 
Yeah, and now you're acting like this is something that's so horrifying and surprising. Like, come the fuck off yeah. it. You know, like, please. You knew what was up. Yeah. You you advocated for this. I guarantee you it's somebody who, you know, listens to the words that come out of your mouth. Your words have consequences, and this is one of those things. Of course. Yeah, that just, like, was crazy to me. I saw, I found out about it when I was just, like, still laying in bed this morning, and I saw a Bernie Sanders tweet. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, things are just so insane right now, and it's really scary, and compounded with, like, my fear is compounded by the fact that early voting turnouts have been largely uh, right wing, mm. largely Republican. Like the left has not come out in early voting the way yeah. that we had hoped. Everyone is like, there's going to be a blue wave. There's going to be a blue wave. And like, fucking hope so. I'm, I'm concerned about that yeah. right now. And it's all the more scary when you see things like this happening where the culture wars are becoming actual wars. And I've yeah. heard people kind of whispers and murmurs of there being, and I know this sounds super dramatic, but of there being like, another civil war basically i mean honestly where are we headed you know like yeah our country's so divided yeah it's just you know i just remember when we were talking about 9-11 and talking about the fear of war during that time like i feel more afraid now than again i wasn't very politically active as like a nine-year-old but like i just feel like everything that's going on right now it seems so much more it's like man if we started a war then right now is like fucking insane right i mean and you're seeing and we have been seeing and i was listening to the daily zeitgeist and they were kind of talking about the rise of violence on the right there's Mm -hmm. so much actual violence on the right right but they're so we were so scared of like outside countries and other people coming in and now it's like contained within our country yeah that's why people are afraid of a, a civil war because there's so much actual violence on the right, but they are responding to it as if the left is being violent. You know, yeah. like they're... Well, because like they then are that's just, helping push the people on the right, right who are being violent to continue to be right. violent. Yeah, so it's just causing this giant divide. And I listened to a thing that was like Tucker Carlson had just been like yelled at at a restaurant or whatever, like told to get mm-hmm. out of a restaurant. And he was having this argument with, I think, a Black Lives Matter activist or someone and he was saying like the left is really violent you don't think this is violent them like you know yelling at us to get out of restaurants not letting us eat in peace and things and this guy was like you guys are actually killing people like you actually mowed down people at the charlottesville Mm -hmm. um unite the right rally and that's actual violence like what you're experiencing is not violence it might be uncomfortable for you yeah you're experiencing like an inconvenience Right, yeah, and embarrassment is what you're experiencing. Man. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it's just a really scary time in our country. Like, it it really is. I don't like it. Me neither. Um, Okay, so speaking of scary things happening in our country. Give it to me. um, As you know, because we talked about it a little bit, there have been transgender protests throughout the country this week. And that is all due to some murmurs that are happening about new transgender laws. Mm -hmm. These are not things that are actual laws. Mm -hmm. But there was a New York 
Times article uh, that said that they saw a draft of a memo of a rule change talking about protections for transgender people. The White House has a plan that changes the definition of sex across all agencies to being very rigid as either being male or female, unchangeable, and determined by the genitals that a person is born with, subject to genetic testing, meaning that they could actually, like, test you to determine what your biological sex is. Right. Does that, but and wait, so the, but is that always going to coincide with like what your genitals are? Um, I mean, I don't know what this means for like intersex people. Yeah, that's kind I don't, of what I, I was don't thinking. know. I don't huh. know. Um, they're kind of in a gray area. But what they're basically doing is saying that there's no such thing as a transgender person. Yes. And this wouldn't be. It's, it's not anything that is a law that they're attempting yet, but it is something that they're tossing around the idea of. Of course. Which and that's is very dangerous. scary. Yeah. Yes. It's very scary and dangerous. It's basically saying that these people aren't people in the way that they identify as people. Yeah. And we should say that they are codifying this across the federal government, which means not just in governmental positions, but basically everything that the government oversees would use this very rigid definition of gender. There would not be any way to identify outside of this, which is horrifying. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine how scary this must be for transgender people. Yeah. Um, of course, the ACLU and other civil liberties groups have said that they would sue the shit out of the administration if they were to try something like this. But then again, the courts have been packed with right-wingers, so it's right. just something to be paying attention to. Yeah. Because even if they were to sue, if all of the high courts were right-leaning, it might not do anything. Yeah. So it's just something to be very like aware of and definitely be looking out for your transgender brothers and sisters, stand in solidarity with them. That's what I was going to say. Check in with them, make sure that they're okay, and make sure that you know they feel the support from their loved ones during this time. Because I can't even yeah. imagine if somebody were just to tell me that like what I believe about myself is wrong. I mean, I, I really can't have any true understanding of it, but imagining that somebody could be telling me like, that I'm wrong. I don't know. It's just, it's a horrifying, right. well, it's, it's such a sad it's thing. It's who you, you know, they were born this way. Yeah. And they should be able to identify however they see fit for themselves. I, know. I don't even really understand why this is a thing that we are having to buck up against at yeah. all. I really don't get it because if no one is hurting anybody else, I why know. the fuck do you care? I know. Like, why do you care That's the if somebody thing. wants to identify? However way they identify, exactly. it's none of your business. Like I know, but people feel entitled. I mean, look at the way that like people feel entitled to women's bodies. You know what I mean? Like, they want to govern them. People feel entitled, and when they feel insecure or um, don't have an understanding of something like this, they're going to retaliate against it. You know, it's kind it's of horrible. like what we, what we talked about whenever we talked about the... Um, villains episode Mm -hmm. I can't remember but I just remember this one passage that I wrote down in my notes that was basically like anything that bucks up against um the patriarchal worldview is dangerous because it threatens the status quo and it threatens the the power structure that we have in place right it totally is it is a power thing it is a it's a control thing and yeah, they don't want anything to threaten that power structure yeah. because it threatens their own power and their own positions in society and like that's scary to them. Yeah, but at it, the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't 
affect their lives at all yeah. in any practical well, sense. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's the fragile masculinity. It's that, you know, because there are people out there who live their lives differently, somehow that affects them. I mean, that just reminded me of when you were talking about when President Nixon um, was talking about the AIDS crisis and he was like, you know, someone wanted to talk about it. Oh, he's Reagan. Like, yeah. Did I say Nixon? Yeah. No, whatever. Um, and he was, he was laughing and like, oh, why are you gay? Like, you know, there's just such a, like, such a stigma around that and that if you are okay with certain things, like if the Trump administration were to like get behind transgender rights, it's like, what does that say about them? I feel like that's kind of where their mind yeah. goes. And what does it say about their, like, I think a lot of it is like virtue signaling as yeah. well. Like not just fragile masculinity because it also happens with, you know, women. Yeah. Because I think it, I, I think it has a lot to do with, their perceived morals being quote unquote like in jeopardy or not and them trying to you know having grown up in the environment that I grew up in a lot of it was about like well we need to protect this culture because this is God's plan and like this is God's country and like we need to make sure it remains sacred or whatever and that was that was a part of it was like you have to live the way that we think is right or else our you know beliefs are being threatened I just hate when people throw, like, oh, this is what God would want kind of thing into it. Yeah, you don't fucking know. You don't know. And the other thing is that, like, from what I learned in religion, and I think that all good, you know, true Christian people in the world believe, is that God loves you no matter who you are, you know, and it doesn't matter, like, who you love or what how you define yourself, as long as you're a good and, person and you're not hurting And anybody. even if you don't believe that, even if you don't believe that, what I have to say is, like, that's not for you to judge. Even if you don't believe that, then let God be the judge of that at the end of the day. That's very that true. has nothing to do with, like, your interactions with those people. Or yeah. it shouldn't have anything to do with that. Like, your interactions with those people can be the same regardless. And if you believe that they're going to hell, then that's God's call. Yeah. Not your call. So, like, you need to just back the fuck out of it. Yeah. But, yeah, that's just something to be very aware of. It's not anything that's being moved forward right now. Right. Um, but it's something to have your eyes open about. It's something that's very scary. I can't imagine what it must feel like exactly. to have that kind of target on my back, yeah. my identity being targeted like that. So just, you know, be there for your transgender brothers and sisters right now because that's really scary. Exactly. <sighs> So do you have anything else? I do. I was reading earlier today about Megyn Kelly defending blackface on the Today Show. Oh my god, yeah. Did I you heard about, about that. that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I immediately thought of you. It's it's a good time to talk about that too because Halloween is coming up. So. Halloween is a coming up, guys. Basically, like she was saying that it's okay to go as blackface if it's a character. And Al Roker was like, uh, no, (laughs) like, that's not okay. Yeah, I think the thing that she said, she was talking about Diana Ross, because someone on, like, a Real Housewives Mm. had gone as Diana Ross for Halloween, and she was like, I don't understand, because, like, I love Diana Ross, and, like, other people love Diana Ross, too, so isn't it, like... A good thing that they would want to go as her for Halloween, even if they I mean, paint themselves black or whatever. I feel like if you want to go, like, okay, so for me, I'm a big Selena fan, and I've dressed up as Selena before. 
but I didn't make my skin darker. I like tied up a button up shirt and like wore a little like boussier kind of thing. And like, I didn't. That's right. I'm not trying to look exactly like her. I'm just trying to like represent her, you know? You get in, like, take, for instance, when Ellen DeGeneres dressed as Lil' Kim, right? Mm. She still was Ellen DeGeneres in a Lil' Kim outfit. Mm -hmm. She didn't try and paint her face. She didn't bronze up her face. She didn't do... People have to understand that the history behind blackface is so fucking vile in this country. That no matter what your intentions are, it, it... is triggering for people. Incredibly. And Incredibly. if it's something that's triggering for people, just fucking avoid it. Like, I don't yeah. understand what the... Why is it so difficult to just not? You know what I mean? There's yeah. a million other things you could be. Get a little creative. Yeah. It's 2018. Come on. Well, and this is what Al Roker said. He said, look, the fact is, while she apologized to the staff, she owes a bigger apology to the folks of color around the country. Because this is a history going back to the 1830s, minstrel shows to, de- to demean and denigrate a race. It wasn't right. I'm old enough to have lived through Amos and Andy, where you had white people in blackface playing two black characters, magnifying the worst stereotypes about black people. And that's what the big problem is. That's what the issue is. Right. And I understand that people's intentions might not be that now, but the history of it is so ugly that we need to just not. We need to just face that and not. It's the same thing as like, yeah, it's the same thing as like using the N-word. You might think you're saying it in a way that's like friendly, mm-hmm. but the history of it is so ugly that it's not for you to determine if you're not part of that community whether mm-hmm. or not it's okay for you to say. It's I agree. just not. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the only other thing that I had written down. What do you do you have anything else you want to talk about? I have one more thing. Um so a Florida man groped a woman on a Southwest flight. Did you hear about this? It's ringing bells. This, this man groped a woman on a Southwest flight and then cited our president as why it was okay for him to do it. So mm. FBI agents arrested Bruce Michael Alexander on a charge of abusive sexual contact after the flight Sunday from Houston to Albuquerque, my birthplace, mm. according to a federal criminal complaint. The 49-year-old from Tampa was handcuffed and placed in an FBI vehicle where he told authorities that, quote, the president of the United States says it's okay to grab women by their private parts. Mm-hmm. In 2005, Trump was recorded saying, you can do anything when you're a star, including grabbing women's genitals. Yep. The charge stemmed from a woman's allegation that Alexander, sitting in the row behind her, grabbed her right breast during the flight. Um, can you fucking imagine yes. that? Oh, my God. It would be horrifying. I would lose my shit, and I would, I mean, actually, I'd probably go into shock. Yeah, he did it once, and she thought, like, maybe it was an accident. He was sitting in the the row behind her. Mm. And then when he did it again, and she saw his, like, she described his fingers as being, like, stubby little fingers with, like, dirt underneath the nails. And so she went and told someone, and they were like, we noticed the dirt underneath his nails. And we were like, yep, that's the guy. So Mm. they moved her to another seat, but she still filed a complaint. Of course. If Alexander is convicted, he faces a maximum penalty of two years in prison and a $250,000 fine. On Monday, he was in federal custody pending a preliminary hearing and detention hearing scheduled for uh, yesterday. So I don't really know how that went, the detention hearing. But 
there you have it. Uh, our president has totally, again, like, you know, the way that we talk about how they set a precedent for violence. Yeah. Um, they've also set a precedent for sexual assault. Which so, is And violence. racism. All of those things. Yeah. yeah. And all of that stems so. from so much violence and hatred. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, you can't have the person in charge of the country saying that it's okay to grope women and grab them by their private parts and not think that that's going to trickle down exactly. to every man in this country. Like, exactly. Of course it is. Yeah. So. Ugh. So, yeah, that's that's all I have. Nothing really super light this week. Um, we do have some listener stories, though, or some listener mail. All right. I'll read the coming out story. You read Vanessa's? All right. Sounds great. All right. Cool. This is a coming out story. Hi, ladies. A few months ago, I found your podcast, and I've been a fan ever since. The notification letting me know that a new episode is up never fails to make my day. With that being said, here goes nothing. I first realized I was attracted to other women when I was 13 years old, and I, being a naturally open person, couldn't keep something like that to myself for very long. So I began telling my closest friends. I was very lucky to be accepted by my friends at the time, but I warned them that my family could never know. As a result, I ended up experiencing a lot of anxiety because I was essentially living a double life, and I was constantly worried that someone would slip up in front of my parents and accidentally out me. This resulted in plenty of awkward moments, including a moment when my mother casually told me she would never go to a gay wedding when I was 14. Not coming out to my family even ended up ruining my first relationship with a girl, who was most definitely my first love. Because of my anxiety about my parents finding out, I ended up treating her poorly. I even broke up with her to be with a guy so my mom wouldn't get suspicious. I was a scared little shit, to be honest. But after an on-again, off-again relationship that lasted nearly three years, I'm lucky to say she is one of my best friends to this day. When I went to college, I was dating a guy who I figured I would spend my life with. So I let go of the idea that I would ever need to tell my family. But by the end of the year, we had broken up in a pretty horrific way and I was incredibly depressed. After years of keeping my queer identity a secret, I came out to my mother as bisexual while I was in a boring class through Facebook message, signed, Please Don't Hate Me, because I felt like I had nothing else to lose. She was surprised, but not hateful, though I was disappointed when she urged me not to tell my grandparents. Anyway, fast forward five years later, and I'm studying to be a social worker for the LGBT plus youth and live with my two amazing partners, a transgender man and a queer woman, who are not a secret from anyone in my life. I identify freely as non-binary queer on social media, which my family can see. And my mother has come so far. She's even considering getting a rainbow rose tattoo for me. Sorry, this is rambly. The moral of the story is for me, coming out was a process and the responses varied and some were not ideal. Some were hurtful and even violent. But even though they've misspoke and stepped on my toes many times during this process, I'm lucky enough to say my mother and my close family members have always been willing to meet me halfway and learn. They have stayed by my side despite their shock and confusion through the multiple times I have had to come out, and for that, I am very grateful. Always raging, Taylor. Oh, thank you, Taylor. Yeah, and then she goes on to tell us about our villain episode. Should I read that part, too? A P.S.? Oh, sure. All right. P.S. I listened to your female villain episode and loved it because I'm a total communications nerd. I only have one note. When you guys talked about the princesses not being sexual except for Jasmine, I really think the main reason why is because she's a person of color. And it's just a portrayal of a stereotype of promiscuous women of color. I don't think she's a prin- I don't think she's a princess, but the girl in the Hunchback of Notre Dame is another example. And that's the one that we'll hear from Vanessa as well. Yes. Um, thank you, Taylor. Yeah. You definitely pointed out something that we had another listener also point out yep. to us. 
Um, and so I'll read that now and then we can kind of address all of it. Yeah. Thank you for that story though, Taylor, like that. Thank you so much. I'm so thankful that your mom has come around. Um, okay. So this email is from Vanessa. Hey ladies, during your convo for this episode, 39, I think I kept thinking about another Disney movie that doesn't get much attention and yet has some of the items you were discussing in its female lead. Esmeralda. She is arguably lower class. She is a dancer. She has brown skin. She is curvy. She is still skinny, but she's curvier than most princesses. Mm -hmm. And while this movie is problematic in other ways, the male villain is a villain, and he casts her down due to her sexuality, beauty, and talents. Uh This movie is one that when I saw it, I was like, is this for children? (laughs) It deals with so many things, and I would imagine it didn't do well taking on religion and a touch of sexuality and human kindness and otherness. Just was an interesting character and a strong female character, although voiced by a non-brown person. Anyway, keep it up, ladies. And Madigan, hope you are finally feeling better. (laughs) Uh, Love, Vanessa. So I love... I mean, if we had been talking about just all villains, I definitely would have brought him up. I loved The Hunchback of Notre Dame when I was little. Um, I never had any conversations with my mom about any of that, and I totally watched it like it was whatever, and then it was as I got older. Oh, me too. And I watched that. I watched it with my parents all the time. Yeah. What's that song called, though, when he's talking about, like... Like Fire, Hellfire? Yes. Oh, my God. That scene is horrifying. It's so scary, but that movie is so beautiful. Like, it's so beautifully done. It's so beautiful. To both of their points, we did miss Esmeralda when we were talking about female protagonists because Mm -hmm. she is sexualized and a lower class and she has all of those things that we kind of were saying are more common in female villains. Um, However, to Taylor's point, so the two examples that we do have are Jasmine and Esmeralda and they're both women of color. So that is an interesting point to make that... The only times that these women are allowed to be, these female protagonists in these movies are allowed to be sexual is when they are women of color or they're mm-hmm. from a lower class system. Yeah. And, and it's when you're not some seeing kind of them as just purely good. You know, you're yeah, seeing Yeah, them. it's making some kind of point. Because yeah. Esmeralda was also, I mean, Esmeralda could actually be considered along the same lines as like, there aren't a lot of uh, anti-heroes that mm-hmm. are, are women of color. Yeah. Esmeralda could almost be seen as an anti-hero because... Granted, she needed to do it, but she was also a thief. You know, she was a lot of other things that could be considered, um, you know. But I love the humanization of her because she was a thief and lived a life that I think to a lot of people would see as promiscuous and um, not a great life to live. But yet she was so she was the one person that showed true kindness to somebody else who was different. And I think that that's such Absolutely. a beautiful, strong message to be sending kids. It's such a good Agreed. movie. Agreed. I loved her. I, I had that Halloween costume. Speaking of Halloween. Yes, I used to dress up like her all the time. Yeah. I, my mom never used to buy me like packaged Halloween costumes, uh-huh. but she did buy me the Esmeralda like in a bag, you know, all of the items mm-hmm. um, whenever I was a little girl. So I went as her like uh, one year and then I wore that costume all the time it had the little like a uh, sash that had the jingly was it belt, was like, it uh, red coins on it was it red with a purple it, thing i want to say the sash thingy was purple with the coins on it and yeah. then the top was white okay i can't remember what the i skirt had two like. esmeralda costumes i had one that i wore that was like my day-to-day esmeralda that i would like wear to preschool and oh, there I was had, a red one. Yeah, and it had like the sleeves that were kind of flowy, and then it yeah, was just, the like, sexy a red one. dress. 
And then I would, yeah, little four-year-old Maddie is so sexy. Um, and then I would tie the little purple sash around my waist. And then I had one that was the white with the purple. She was, yeah, I was obsessed that's the one I had. with that movie when it came out. And I yeah, remember me too. So was I. watching that VHS tape forever. I think I saw it in theaters, actually. I did too. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. I did yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you both for writing thank in. You. I love to get these like follow-ups. They don't always have to be sister solidarity stories or coming out stories or anything like that. If you just have something else you want to add to the conversation, like Vanessa totally. did with this uh, email, I love getting things like that because mm-hmm. sometimes it's stuff that we didn't even think of. And I yeah. love to rehab those conversations with Madigan. So if you have any that you would like to submit to us, just regular stories, solidarity stories, motherhood stories, coming, coming out, out stories, stories, or you just want to chat with us about anything, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can get us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can get us on Facebook through our business page or our Facebook group. Um, and you can also find us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, and guys, also, thank you so much for showing up and rating and reviewing for us these last few weeks. Please keep it going. If you haven't done it already, it really is so helpful. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. I love waking up to new reviews. It's like my favorite thing ever. I haven't checked so, in a few days. Yeah, definitely. We got another one. Yay! We got another one, I think, yesterday or the day before. So I totally love, you know, waking up and reading new reviews. It makes me very excited. So yeah. if you haven't reviewed yet, please do. We love hearing from you. Mm-hmm. And um, do you have anything else? No. I think I'm good. No? I'm good. All right. My dog is staring at me crying. So I guess she I missed have you. To. You were gone all day. I know. She's like, I just want my mommy to love me. All right. So I guess you guys, with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Bye. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleepwave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.